Hi, good morning. My name is Randy Johnson, and the Old Testament reading is found in Isaiah 41, 17 through 20. When the poor and needy search for water and there is none, and their tongues are parched from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. I will open up rivers for them on the high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. I will plant trees in the barren desert. Cedar, acacia, myrtle, olive, cypress, fir, and pine. I am doing this so all who see this miracle will understand what it means. That it is the Lord who has done this. The Holy One of Israel who created it. The word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Eric. The New Testament reading is found in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. Hello, my name is Anne. Thank you for standing for the gospel reading found in John three, sixteen through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Let's pray. Lord, you are good and holy and wonderful and awesome. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart will be pleasing, acceptable to you. For you so loved the world that you gave your one and only Son. And we worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. You can see up here we have the four candles lit, and the theme today is love. Not the liking kind of love, but the true love, God's love, agape, charity love, the love that we have, the example of Jesus Christ coming to this earth and dying for us. So I'm Pastor Joe Kirkendall. I've been around New Life Church, I think, since 1999, attending. And then in 2004, I uh, got hired to work with a college and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church and did that for years and years. And now we call it uh, the Young Adults of New Life. But it was called The Mill. Was anyone around? Raise your hand if you ever went to The Mill. Look at all these. Look around. This, these are my people. So, um, so I've been around a while. I knew Glenn back when he was the worship pastor for the mill, and he, he wore no shoes, and he wore capri pants, and that's, that's the Glen I love, the, the Glen that uh, led us in worship all those years. So um, this last year, for, for a, about a calendar year now, I've been planting uh, the New Life Congregation in Manitou Springs. And so let me tell you about that, and I'll weave in and out of this sermon the theme of love, and I'll, I'll weave in and out of that also this theme of God providing his water for us. So um, let me tell you how we got to Manitou, my wife and I. Uh, I think there's a picture of us, uh, me and my wife. We have uh, three boys and one more boy on the way, and then that's my mom and dad, and I have a, a short story to tell about my mom uh, towards the end of this sermon. But uh, 10 years ago, my wife and I, we were newly weds, just married. We were living uh, on Powers and Barnes and a little uh, apartment. And uh, we were looking for a house and we found a house. It was small and simple, but it was our dream house. We, we had the inspection and the appraisal and all these things you do to buy a house. And everything was set. We had about a week until we were going to close on this house. And we had told our apartment that we're, we're moving out. We were going to buy this house in Colorado Springs, uh, just downtown, just a little ways from here. We get a call on the phone from our realtor, which he pretty much just said, sorry, kids, you can't buy this house. This house, uh, the, a previous owner, uh, you didn't know this, no one knew this, but a previous owner had uh, added some additions to the house, a bedroom and a bathroom, and he didn't pull any permits whatsoever. You're not supposed to do that when you, when you add rooms to a house. That's what he did, and <laughs> so we can't buy this house. The bank doesn't like that, so, we, so sorry. So we had a week to move. All of our stuff is in boxes, and we did probably what any of you would do. We got on Craigslist, and we started looking for some place to rent. And the only criteria was uh, it's, it's got to be in our price range, and it's got to be available like this week. We need to move this week. And so we looked, and my wife found this place in Manitou Springs, and I just thought, it's available. It's in our price range. We'll get it. She looked at it on her lunch hour and said, it's actually pretty cool. It's right downtown Manitou. And we didn't know anything about Manitou. Manitou is this little town, if you don't know, uh, just down the road. Uh, it's, it's got an incline, this, this trail that goes straight up the mountain. Has anybody done the incline? 
Oh, look at all the hands. That's great. So the incline's there. They race. Uh, it's kind of this town known for being haunted, haunted tours, haunted this, haunted that. Uh, they have this race every Halloween that they race coffins up the road, Manitou Ave, like uh, soapbox derbies. I know it's weird. In fact, that's one of their mottos. There's bumper stickers that say, keep Manitou weird. And so those are the things that we knew about it. We knew that in the 1800s, people came to Manitou to, with tuberculosis, part of the Manitou's history, and they, would, they thought back then uh, that the water, the mineral water, would heal them. And spiritually speaking, since this is a sermon, I could spiritually speak, uh, the, the only water that truly heals and truly saves is the water that Jesus talks about. He says, if you drink of this water, you will never be thirsty. Again, it's the living water, the, the water that Christ himself gives. So 10 years ago, we, I guess, haphazard, haphazardly forest gumped our way into living in Manitou just because that was a place that was available. And we've been living there for 10 years now and have seen Seen the love of God in Manitou. We ourselves have fallen in love with Manitou, and here I get today to talk to you about God's love and, and, and the love that he has for all of us. So a year ago, um, Brady, our senior pastor of, of the New Life North Campus, approached me. I was walking, uh, it, was, it was Sunday morning, and I was walking uh, past him, and he looks at me and says, Joe, i got to talk to you about something. And I was just like, oh no, the boss wants to talk to me about something. This can't be good. And he, he's like, yeah, it's something, it's an opportunity, it's a change. And I'm just like looking at him, I'm, I'm sure just like a scared little chipmunk or something. And he says, no, no, it's good. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. And so I thought for sure I was in trouble because that had happened a couple other times. And um, <laughs> he, he, he talks to me and he says, I have uh, something I want to tell you, something I think is from the Lord. I think, um, what would you think about planting a church, a congregation of New Life Church in Manitou Springs? And I thought, uh, keep talking. Uh, I've never, I had never thought about that. And uh, he said, yeah, you would be the guy. And so think about it. And, and so I, it just took a little while to realize that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? And I did some research before uh, officially telling Brady yes, and then the elders decided to, would, would vote on it. Uh, I did some research on Manitou. Even though I'd lived there 10 years, uh, I, I thought, what is the church scene in Manitou? Here I am going to New Life North this whole time and working with the college students. What really is, what, what are the churches like in Manitou? And uh, sure enough, I compared Manitou, which is a city of about 5,000 people, to the city of Monument, which is a city of about 5,000 people. Monument, as maybe some of you know, uh, has a lot of churches, over 20 churches, some of them quite large. Manitou Springs, on the other hand, uh, at the time when I was researching this, had four churches, and none of them were over 50 people in attendance. Uh, two of them, n- none of the four churches, the pastors actually lived in Manitou. They would commute in. And two of them were commuting from Denver to pastor in Manitou. It was just a, an interesting scene of, of the need for, of course, uh, another church. And while there's four churches, there's um, 30 bars, uh, some of them bars, restaurants, but still 30 bars in Manitou. And Manitou has just recently, uh, the last couple of years, legalized recreational drug use. And to be honest, the amount of drug use, the amount of addiction, the amount of abuse in that city, drugs and alcohol, is astounding. The, the amount of uh, homeless, transient people that come into Manitou, I'm sure you've seen if you've been to Manitou on a summer Saturday, uh, the amount of people asking for money and, and seemingly high and drunk all summer long, it's just a 
astounding. It's a city plagued by flash floods. We were there on, on a Friday in 2013 in August when a flash flood came down from Williams Canyon and went right by our house and took every car off the road that was on our house and put it down into Fountain Creek. It destroyed a house. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But it's a city, Manitou. It's a city plagued by fear. Every time it rains hard, people are in fear. And so is there a need for another church in Manitou? So a year ago when I was researching this, I was like, yes, duh, of course. Like there is definitely a need for another church. And the the four churches, I won't say anything bad about those churches. I would just say, of course, there is a need for another church. And so here's... um, what I told Brady, I said, yes, I, I would love to, to plant a church. And, and this theme of God's love in the city kept coming back to us as, as, as we formed our leadership team and, and then had some prayer meetings. And this theme of God's love, that God loves Manitou, kept coming again and again. So let me give you the, the first point, the, the sermon point for today. It's that Jesus is the embodiment of love. I'll, I'll read that again. Jesus is the embodiment of love. And here's some really good theology here that that we believe as Christians that Jesus is in fact fully God. And if Jesus is is God, and another verse in, in the Bible says that God is love, then of course Jesus is love. He embodies love. He is God, fully God, the creator of all, come to this earth as one of us to show us, to embody for us love. His coming, his actions, his death on the cross show us what true love really is. John 3, it was, it was read. I'm going to read it again. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict. Light has come in the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So here's a good question for you, a theological question. Can God uh, love a city that's um, known for darkness. I think a lot of people think if you know, uh, if you've lived in the Springs long enough, uh, you've been to Manitou and, and know the mystique of Manitou, people say, oh, Manitou, it's, it's a dark city. It's a city known for uh, palm readers. Uh, and there's one less. I'll tell you that story in a minute. It's a city known for uh, evil things and witches or whatever. Uh, it's, people think that that's what goes on in Manitou. And it's sometimes the, the, it's, it's just the, the celebration of Halloween and dark things is, does happen there. But can God love a city known for darkness? And if you read John three sixteen again, of course, you would have to say, yes, he loves the whole world. He loves everyone. He loves the world. He loves Manitou. And so that's why my family and I, we've been called to Manitou to plant a church. So here's the second point. It says this. It says, the church is the carrier of love to the world. When people see us, the saints, the, the believers of God, the people following this true way of love, the love that we, we read about in 1 Corinthians 13, true love, then, then people, the, this world gets to see what true love is. And, and the, the world's definition, our society's definition of love is, is 
pretty selfish. It, it's, it's if you love this person and they love you back and you're happy, well, then that's what true love is. If, uh, like, I think the, the greatest example that our society has, the world has, for what love is, is movies and the stories. And we, as Christians, as believers, our greatest example of what love is, is Jesus embodied. He embodied love and showed us what true love is, a love that lasts, a love that is selfless, a love that thinks of others first, a love that we get to take an example from God. So today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, the four candles again up there. And uh, we went through the the, the other three Sundays. Do Do you remember what it was? The first one is hope. The second one is peace. Good. The third one? joy, and today, love. And of course, love is the greatest of all these things. In fact, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 ends with faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. That's the greatest. And so let me tell you that story of the, the psychic dude, um, the palm reader. So in Manitou, there's, uh, there was two palm readers. Now there's, there's one, uh, and I'll tell you that story. So Early on, so last year in January, we started prayer meetings. We thought if we're going to launch a church, and we launched on Easter, uh, we, we want to get together and pray. We want to be the people who pray. And so every Tuesday, uh, downtown Manitou, in the evenings, we would pray. And we're doing, still doing that. You're, you're all invited. And we started praying th- this prayer meeting. Every Tuesday, we'd gather together, and we'd gather at other times and pray together. And we kept praying this theme over the city, that God loves Manitou. That it's not this God-forsaken place. It's, it's not, it, it, all these, the mystique of Manitou is that it's evil. Let's not concentrate on that. But in Instead, we thought, let's concentrate on God's love, God's love in this city because he loves people. And so we would pray that theme again and again, Tuesday night after Tuesday night. And we had a sense, uh, and maybe some of you are more attuned to this than I am, but we had a sense, a spiritual sense, that God was doing something in the spiritual atmosphere in Manitou. We couldn't, you know, quite like put exactly our finger on it and explain it, but different people all had this same uh, idea. This, this, God's doing something here. The, the atmosphere, it just feels different. That's what we would say. It just feels different. It feels like God's doing something. Praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. He's doing something. It's good. And sure enough, one of the, um, the palm readers, uh, the, the psychics in town, it does uh, tarot cards and all this uh, stuff. He had a little shop. It was like a little closet of a shop, and it closed down. And uh, it took all his stuff away, and it was boarded up. And I saw this guy later, and I had known him. I had seen him. We had had a couple conversations. And so I said, hey, dude, what happened to your shop? Why, why'd you close down? And he said, well, a couple logistical things. And then he said this. He said, I, I can no longer do what I do in Manitou. I can no longer you know, perform the, the psychic stuff. And he said, uh, how do you say it? He said, the, the metaphysical portal has closed, and I'm, not, I'm no longer able to communicate to the things I was communicating with. And I said, bro, sorry, dude. <laughs> and I thought, you know, whatever, he, whatever they do, the psychic stuff, whatever that is, that absolutely pales in comparison to God's true love and God's the truth that, that Jesus is, and he loves us, and he has a plan for us and salvation for us, and we rejoiced. And what's interesting is the psychic guy, uh, he started hanging around us. He thought we were interesting, and he uh, came to a couple of our prayer meetings, and I still, before he left town, uh, I pray that he saw 
God's love from us. That, that sermon point that, that God is, uh, that uh, Jesus is the embodiment of love and that the church, us, that we get to carry um, love to the world. So let me share with you uh, a verse. And this verse was read, it's Isaiah 41. The, the, this set of verses just sounds like Manitou Springs. And early on, so about a year ago this time, uh, one of the, the people that is on our uh, leadership team found this verse and, and read it in the car. We were going to, 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 I forget where we were going, but we read it in the car and we all were just like, whoa, this is, this is for us. This just sounds like Manitou. And I started crying and I just thought, this verse, what, this is beautiful. This just, it talks about springs, which Manitou has lots of springs uh, swelling up. It talks about rivers running through valleys. And of course, Manitou is the city in the valley that uh, rivers, Ruxton and Fountain Creek run through. And it talks about high plateaus and being a dry place in Colorado it is a dry place that needs water. And I, this verse, set of verses is about water, but it's not about water. It's, it's, it's about love. It's about God's um, love to, to those that are in need. So I'm going to read this, and I, I will warn you that I, I usually get emotional reading it, and it's a good uh, kind of emotion. It's, it's like the reason people cry at weddings, because they see two people coming together. And this is a verse that I get emotional reading, because I see it as God's, and God's work being united with the city that, that is in need of the Lord's love and, and his water, his living water. So it says this, Isaiah 41, starting in verse 17, when the poor and needy search for water and there's none, and their tongues are parched with thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. I will open up rivers for them on the high plateaus. And I will give them fountains of waters in the valleys. And I will fill the desert with pools of water. And rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. And I will plant trees in the barren desert. So there's going to be so much water that the cedar, the acacia, myrtle, the olive, cypress, fir, and pine, these trees will be the evidence and fruit that God is doing this great thing. And verse 20 says, I am doing this so that all who see this miracle will understand what it means that it is the Lord who has done this, the Holy One of Israel who created it. And so it's a, it's a passage about water, but, it, but it's not about water. Jesus talks to the woman at the well, and she's there to, to get water from, a, from a, a literal well, literal water, and Jesus speaks to her about the spiritual world, and he says to her that, that I have water that you don't know about. I have water that if you drink of it, you will never be thirsty again. And of course, that water is the, the love of God. This passage, um, so we, pray, we have prayed this on, on Tuesday nights. We have prayed this. We're meeting monthly now as a congregation. We will meet weekly uh, very soon in February. We'll start meeting weekly. We've, we had a hard time finding a place. And we have prayed this uh, passage again and again at our prayer meetings and at our services. We've talked about it, and our kids have memorized it. And, and this passage we have seen is like, oh, this passage is for Manitou. Like we kind of point and look and say, this passage is for the city. And then as we developed as a congregation and got to know each other, we, we realized that this passage is for us. Like we are all poor and needy. We, we shouldn't, you know, be quick to point our fingers at somebody else. You guys are poor and needy. Well, there, there are times in all of our lives when we are spiritually poor and needy. And I myself... Um, I'll tell you the story of, of going through a, a story with my mom, uh, and her, she got really sick, and I, I've seen this passage 
as this passage is for me, like Joe Kirkendall, when I, when I am spiritually in need of the Lord and his miracle, his love, then this passage says that he's going to be with those who are poor and needy, and he's going to do it so that all will know and all will understand that it's the Holy One that has done this and the Holy One of Israel who has created it. So I'm going to tell you a story about my mom. It's going to sound like a horrible story, a hopeless story, but it's, it's a story of a miracle. It's a story of uh, love and God's love, undeserved love. So the day before we launched, um, we launched on Easter, March, it was March 27th. So March 26th, uh, my mom went to bed on Good Friday, uh, feeling fine, great health. Uh, and Saturday morning, the day before we were going to launch New Life Manitou, um, we had a place in the town hall. Um, the day before, um, my dad calls me early in the morning on Saturday morning and says that my mom had been raced to the hospital on an ambulance. She was completely unconscious and didn't, didn't wake up. And they had rushed her to the hospital and she wasn't even breathing. They had to put a, a life support on her. And um, there she was. And so I went and visited her and it was, it was hopeless that my mom was uh, just seemingly on her way out. We didn't know this at the time, but we would find out that she had bacterial meningitis that just ripped through her body and, and shut her mind down and her brain down. And, and so I thought for sure the next day when we launched our church that I would be there, sing songs of praise to God, uh, say a sermon, say a prayer, say amen, and go to the hospital. And that night, I thought I would be saying goodbye to my mom. But she survived that, that night. She had a seizure, that, I think, right before our service. And, and it was in this confusion of, like, should I go to the hospital? Should I stay and do the service? And, and a nurse talked to my wife and said, go ahead and stay at, at the service. Um, you, my, the, my mom had gone through the seizure. She, she almost died, but she didn't, so she's still with us. And, and so that week was, was horrible. She was unconscious for what ended up being eight days, uh, totally uh, dependent on life support, uh, breathing machines, all the machines in the ICU hooked up to her. The only thing keeping her alive was that life support. The, the doctors, uh, we had a Christian nurse um, that, that, that told us it, with love that it was just time. My mom, it, my mom was gone. Her, they did tests on her to see if her mind uh, was responding at all. They did light tests and things, and they, they said there's no response. She's, her brain is gone. She, she's gone. The only thing keeping her alive is, is this life support. And we made a decision, a horrible, hard decision. Maybe some of you have had to make it. Um, that a week later, after eight days, she had been totally unconscious, no response whatsoever. Uh, we took her off life support. We gathered around. My wife said, Psalm 23, um, my son, who's five, he, uh, he brought a, a stuffed animal and gave it to us to, to give to her to say goodbye. He wasn't allowed, and the kids aren't allowed in the ICU. And but we said goodbye to my mom, and we, we took her off life support just a week after we had launched New Life Manitou. And uh, a, a miracle, uh, God's love, um, something I'll, I'll hold deeply, treasure forever. Uh, she was taken off life support and she started breathing on her own. And just the miracle of that and, and showing up to the hospital that morning knowing that we were going to take her off life support and then her surviving and, and breathing on her own. And, and then, I mean, it was, it was days turned into weeks. She was opening her eyes and looking around, saying her first words, uh, after the, the, the coma and meningitis, she said, I love you. 
and seeing uh, a miracle happen, relearning how to, to use her hands, relearning how to eat, relearning uh, eventually how to walk. And a couple months later, uh, she walked out of the hospital and she's doing great. We're going to have dinner with her and my dad tonight. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's provision, God's love, um, undeserved. I, I would be the first to tell you I was, I was hoping that my mom would get better. I was praying for it, but um, honestly, I, w- I was saying goodbye to my mom. I, wasn't, I didn't have this great faith. I, didn't, I, I, did, I, was, I was maybe just like many of you would be, just saying goodbye and ex- just cherishing life moments with my mom and then saying goodbye and then her with us. Like, what a miracle. What a, I've talked to other people in the medical field that tell them that story, and they're like, are you serious? Like, I didn't use the word miracle very often, but that sounds like a miracle. And uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's beautiful. It's awesome. It's the Lord's work. It's the Lord's love upon us. And I think about that story of my mom on, uh, on bad days. There's been lots of bad days uh, planting a church in Manitou Springs. There was, um, we wanted to rent the town hall, which we ended up getting. And there was this day they had the, um, uh, like they had to have a, a city council meeting to rent the town hall to us. Of course they do. It's, it's Manitou. It's a little town. And so the people from the town came out of nowhere to come to the council meeting and, and say, they had things to say. They said, new life's horrible. New life's a group of haters. New life's up to no good. New life's trouble. Let's not let them rent the town hall. And luckily, uh, they, they voted by one vote to let us rent the town hall. And we, we met there quite a few times. We now have a different building. Um, but that was a hard day. And, and it's on those days that I think about the story of the miracle of my mom and the love that God showed to us. I thought if God can, I guess, resuscitate my mom back to health, then he could do anything. If God wants the church in Manitou, he's going to have a church in Manitou. If God wants to love people, he is going to love the people of Manitou, and we're going to be the carriers of that love. And I think about this passage, too, on really good days, uh, of planting a church in Manitou and think about the Lord's provision, the Lord's love upon us. There was a day um, that uh, one of our Tuesday prayer meetings, a guy uh, had been secretly, secretively struggling with, with alcohol. He had been drinking all day, every day, first thing in the morning, waking up. Uh, instead of coffee, he, he would drink. And he was going to work and driving just, just drunk all day, every day. And he was one of our, the people that kind of other people looked up to in our church. He was one who prayed and people saw him as a leader and no one knew that he was struggling with alcohol. Uh, no one knew, not even his family. And he, he had hit it. And at one Tuesday, he gets up in front of everyone with the mic and, and says, I've been drinking from a well that has been poisoning my life. I've been drinking from alcohol. And everyone's like, what, really? Um, and, and wow, okay. And he confesses that. And he says, I want to drink from the well of God's love, the well that will, will never, ever go dry, the well that will fill me up from, from the inside out. And he confessed that, and people rallied around him, and he got into accountability. He's been sober for, for months and months now. And I think that day all started because he, at a small church in Manitou, he confessed that and felt the love of God, and, and God is to be praised. Uh, let me tell you a couple more stories of God's love in Manitou. Um, there was there's this lady named Nancy. Um, she's uh, a sweet kind of motherly figure in our church. And early on in the prayer meeting, she was coming to all of them. And my wife found out that she didn't have a Bible. 
And so we thought, let's get this lady a Bible. Let's, let's get her a really nice one, a leather one, put her name on it. And so we did that. And at a prayer meeting, we, we, we invited her up. She didn't know this. We surprised her and honored her and gave her this Bible. And she, she got it and just started weeping, like uncontrollably weeping. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And she said, you have no idea what this means to me. She said, I had a Bible. And five years ago, I threw my Bible in the trash. I gave up on God. I, I didn't think God loved me, and I didn't want to love God. And I, I threw it in the trash can, and, and there it's been um, it's away from her life ever since. And when we planted uh, a new life, Manatee Springs, she heard about it and was like, I'll, I'll give this thing uh, another chance. I'll, I'll come back to church. And us giving her this Bible was just a, a sign of God's love, God's miracle in her life. So I started crying. My wife started crying. And, and all I could say was, God was chasing you down with his love. And we just all cried and thought, wow, God is so good. Let me tell you another story. It's the story of um, the flood in 2013 in August. Um, there was a, a flash flood. It rained really hard. And uh, down Williams Canyon, it took a house it took, I think it just ended up completely destroying three houses. One of those houses, the roof of it, ended up in our yard. There was a bathtub and a water heater and just destruction. A person's life was, they did die. Um, and cars were destroyed. There was just destruction everywhere. And on that horrible day of destruction, there was a Christian girl um, out gathering things uh, from the destruction, from the wreckage. And she's a pastor's daughter. She lives in Manitou, and she was picking up things. She's an artist, and so she picked up little pieces of a broken piano that got destroyed and taken down the river. And she used those uh, pieces of a piano to, to build something beautiful. She built this little vanity thing with a mirror on it. And my wife saw it at a craft store and just was in, uh, intrigued. She's like, oh, what is this? That's cool. And then she realized, oh, it's parts of a piano. That's cool. Uh, and then she, she took the tag and turned it over, and it said, uh, this wood is from a piano from the Manitou floods in 2013. She's like, wow, cool. I got to have this. So she got it. And we gave it to our worship leader, Sarah Martin, who sometimes pl- plays here the cello. We gave it to her. And it was, it's just been this beautiful reminder to us of that's what the Lord does. The Lord takes broken, destroyed things like us, the poor and needy, when we're in search of water, and he takes them and, and, and sheds his love upon us and the world and remakes us into something new and beautiful with his love. Let me tell you one last story. This is a um, story of a guy named Alan, uh, a homeless guy that, that was living in Manitou. And on June 8th, uh, a bunch of other homeless people uh, jumped him, uh, a bunch of guys beating up him. They beat him up and they, they, one of them stomped on his neck and crushed his neck and paralyzed him instantly. And it happened on a Thursday night. I found out about it a couple days later that this has happened. Uh, it was one block from my house in Soda Springs Park. And it was just like this weight of, of what had happened. Like someone is now paralyzed. And it was a dumb fight over like whose dog belonged to who. And these, these homeless guys all jumped this one guy. And I thought, man, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor here. This is my town. And I want to go visit this guy. And so I contacted the police. I, I knew the police chief. Uh, and I said, can I... Uh, visit this guy that, that is now paralyzed. Can you tell me where he is, what his name is? And the, the police chief said, no, not at this time. I, I can't tell you who it is. Uh, there's an investigation, ongo- ongoing investigation of, of what happened. And I thought, Lord, would you lead me to this guy? Uh, I would love to visit this guy. Uh, there's only so many 
hospitals in town. And so I thought, I'm going to go to a hospital and I'm going to see if this guy's there. I don't know his name. I don't know where he is or what room he is. Um, but I thought, I'm, I'm going to go to a hospital. I'm not going to go to any hospital. I'm going to uh, I'm going to ask the Lord, um, would you lead me, Lord? And, and so I went, not just to any hospital, I went to the hospital my mom was taken to, and I went up to the floor my mom was on, and I went up to her room where she was, and guess who was in the next room? <laughs> this guy, his name's Alan. He's uh, a homeless guy, he, and I, when I saw him, because I, I didn't even know how to look for him. Like, I'm looking for a, like a homeless guy from Manitou, um, and, and so I find this guy, and one of the nurses is like, yeah, he's right there. Uh, and I was like, of course he is. Um, so I go in, and on some level, I'm just filled with joy, like the Lord has led me to this guy. And then at the same time, waves of, of grief. This, here this guy is uh, completely paralyzed. His neck is broken. He's on every machine. And, and I, I made that visit, just a quick visit. I, I prayed over him. I prayed Psalm 23 over him. And he thanked me for coming. And he, he had just kept apologizing because he was so out of it. He was on so many machines and drugs and, uh, to keep him alive. And, and over the days, over the weeks, over the months, we as a congregation, myself included, uh, we go and we visit Alan, and he's, been, he's, been, he's at a different health center now. And so I've gone and visited him. We, as a congregation, uh, raised a little bit of money and got him a tablet PC that he can use his left hand he doesn't have use of his fingers, but he can kind of use the back of his hand to use a, a, a tablet. Uh, and so he's been using that, and we've been visiting him. And one morning, I went to visit him, and a, a, a sweet a motherly figure from our church, Eileen, uh, also happened to be there at the same time. It was, it was really cool. Like, I was walking up to the, the health center where he's at, and Alan came out in his wheelchair, and here Eileen came uh, fr- from her direction where she had parked, and we all converged in the parking lot. It was like... It it was pretty weird. Um, and so we just started making small talk, like, so how are they treating you? What's the weather like? And blah, blah, blah. And we were making small talk, and he was thanking us for, for being there, thanking us for visiting him, because he, he, he doesn't have any family or really friends in, in, in Manitou or in, the, in this city now, so he's just so appreciative of us as a congregation visiting him. And, and then he stops, and he apologizes and says, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so thirsty. And and in my mind, it was just this image of, that's Isaiah 41. He's thirsty. He's, 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 literally, he's thirsty, but spiritually, this is, this is uh, he's, he's thirsty. And uh, what's God going to do? I just thought uh, he had this water bottle with a big, long straw that he could drink out of, and it was empty. And once you know it, Eileen had this little purse, and like, like a magic trick, she pulled a full bottle, an unopened bottle of water out of this little purse, and, and opened up Alan's bottle and, and poured it in his cup, and I just, I, lost, I put on sunglasses and I just wept and wept because here's this image right in front of me of, of the poor and needy searching for water and God and his love um, pouring it out on, on someone in need and how wonderful, how good God is. Would you bow your head with me? God, we come before you and, and we... Um, just quiet ourselves before you. Lord, we consider your love that, that we remember. Here we are a, a week from celebrating Christmas, this, this day that, that we celebrate your coming, God of all, the creator of this world, coming into the world as one of us. We celebrate your love. We remember your love with this theme of love that is... It is today, this fourth Sunday of Advent. 
And God, we, all of us, are poor and needy spiritually. All all of us have sinned and and we have fallen short. And we come before you again and again as, as sinners. And you come to us again and again in love to make us clean and to make us holy and to make us pure. And Lord, would you come to each and every one of us um, with your water, with your living water that only you can give. It's, it's the water that, that is a miracle so that all who understand what, the, what it means know that it's you, Lord. You've done this, the Holy One of Israel. You've created it. So Lord, we, we pause and we reflect on your love. You are good and you love us, Lord.